0: This podcast is part of the Podsendicat family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles and conversations, head to wearepodsendicat.com.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I am Mike and with me as always is Hannah. How are you today, Hannah? I'm well, thank you. you go as far as saying Capital.
2: Capital,
1: yes. Why not? Let's, capital. Let's, let's go for capital. Do you know that this is episode 25 of the Rewatch Project? Yes. a quarter
2: century. Quarter
1: century, yes. Uh, or, or half 50. <laughs> I think it sounds uh, more nonsensical, <laughs> quite frankly. A
2: half, half century.
1: A half, half century, yes. So, uh, yeah, so this week we are continuing on with Season 2 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We are on Episode 5, which is... Is it A Hen in the Wolf House? Is that what it's called? It is the one. It's funny, I'd forgotten that there was an episode called that. And I remember remember the episodes quite well because I edit them, so I get to kind of experience them twice. Um, And I remember referring to... um, Grant in an earlier episode as a wolf in the hen house Mm. so it's funny that they've done that because because they they know and I, I remember this episode a little bit so I know who they're talking about they're not talking about Grant obviously um but it's funny how S.H.I.E.L.D. it does reversals doesn't it of episode titles sometimes yeah um like the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end and yep. things like that. So I just thought that was a bit of a uh, bit, a bit of an odd one. But um, It's
2: it's interesting you talk about listening back to the episodes because I too listen back to them. Um But you just
1: do it out of sheer vanity, don't you? Yeah, uh, basically,
2: yeah, ego. Um, but I just want to apologise to all the listeners because I think for the last two or three episodes I've said that this is the point that the team have all come together in the second season and it's like, shut up, Hannah. uh, They're all a team now. Just let it go.
1: It's an evolution, isn't (laughs) it?
2: I know, but I've literally made the same comment.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, the night's still young, Hannah. I I know, know. yeah.
2: (laughs) It's like I don't remember what I said the last time. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But... um, before we get into talking about this week's episode anymore, I just want to do a quick bit of housekeeping, um, and just remind everybody of the various ways that they can reach us and some other uh, little bits and pieces that I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, as I used to say on cheerstroker versus Punter back in the days, uh, a little bit of gentle plugging. Nothing like, nothing like a gentle night. plug on a Friday night, you know, particularly when you're a beginner. You know, when you're only 25 episodes in, you know.
2: Yeah, you only want it to be a gentle plug.
1: No, no, you're still on the sort of the training plugs at this point, (laughs) aren't you? So, so yeah, so we can be found on Twitter at rewatchproj. And it's been quite nice as well because I've been sort of, whenever I post the episode, I always sort of very... Um, solicitously um, include the writers and directors in there, and there's been a couple of points where they've gone, "Oh, thank you," and I'm just like, woohoo um, <laughs> And
2: that's when he texts me and goes, "Guess who just liked our tweet?" <laughs> <drink."
1: laughs> what are you talking about? I played cool. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, so I didn't even know. Oh,
1: hey, hey, people have know, People have responded. I, I, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you can um, you can find us on Twitter at RewatchProj. That's Rewatch P R O J. And um, you can email us at RewatchProjectPodcast at gmail.com and also, um, as I like to remind you guys, we are part of the Pod Syndicate podcast, blogging, um, YouTube, um, all manner of things, network. Um, so go over there to wearepodsyndicate.com, find other shows uh, such as my other show, Teen Stroker vs. Punter, yep. but also Beyond the Neon, Film Rant, Film Bastards, um, with The Iron Sequel, The Iron Sequel.
2: Entertainment Landfill. Entertainment Landfill. They've had a new episode
1: out. Yes, they have, recently. I noticed. So, yep. uh, yeah, so go and check all of those out and also check out the bonus show. His
2: film, Her Movie.
1: Yes, his film, Her Movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've noticed Knowles just added a written piece in the fan creator series that i've been doing a few videos for as well recently so there's loads of good stuff over there so go and check it out Uh, you'll probably be familiar with some of the shows from the promos that we play in the breaks on this episode and this episode will be no different so uh that will give you a bit of a sample of what is going on over there um We have had an email, so um, speaking of which, uh, uh, we have had an email come through to rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. I'm just going to bring that up now and pass that over to Hannah, who has a uh, much more pleasant reading voice than I. Uh, So uh, where are we? There we go, rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, it's the top one there, Hannah, so if you could uh, do the honours. Okay. This is entitled, Hello. Hello.
2: Hello. Hi Hannah and Mike, Millie in Toronto here, big fan of your show and doing a rewatch of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. along with you both. I was curious, what are your general viewing habits? Do you tend to watch a lot of TV or mainly films? Also, I hear you mention you have kids, as do I. Do you curate what your kids watch or let them lead? Keep up the
1: good work, Millie. Okay, so a bit of stuff about uh, viewing habits beyond uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield. So, um, Hannah, what do you? you
2: Well, firstly, thank you for your email, Millie. Yes, Um, yes, it's lovely, lovely to hear that people are listening along and enjoying
1: it. Let's (coughs) de-anonymise our listenership,
2: indeed. So, aside from Agents of Shield, I think we watch. A pretty healthy mix of TV and film. Yeah, um, we certainly have our shows that are staple for us. Whenever, like, I mean, we are very uncouth. We don't eat tea at the table. We usually eat it watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely not film watches while we're having dinner or whatever. No, it's a weird it's thing usually, actually because it used this to make This is fun more me. sort of guided by
1: Mike. Yeah, but yeah. I'll give you an example. Like, so when um, we. Um, You know, I I like food. (laughs) Yes, you do, my darling. I like to give it my full attention. I like films, and I like to give them my full attention. So I'm more of a, if we're going to have the TV on while we're eating, which we do more often than not, I'd rather have um, a sitcom or, uh, hell, MasterChef, or just, you know, something that doesn't require a huge amount of, because when I watch a film or a TV show that I'm invested in, I want to be able to give it my full attention you because know?
2: he can't eat and watch something at the same time. No, I'm properly. not saying
1: that it's the only way to do it. And, and this is
2: what I tease him about all yeah. the time: that chewing, chewing, and paying attention is apparently too tricky.
1: Yeah, it's I just I don't know. It's it's a weird thing I know, but that's uh, and I'm so, not alone well, though. I know I know other people who are like that.
2: Okay, but to go back to what we watch too, so we we tend to watch um, a sitcom sort of earlier on in the evening and at the moment that's um the Goldbergs yeah um so we're up to season five um or
1: we we we, all, we throw on like just an old episode of Friends or
2: Shits Creek yeah just something um, that,
1: that is familiar yeah. and, and I think it's interesting I think what that, that also ties into is the fact that I think that um if you've got kids particularly young kids that has a huge impact on what you watch not just obviously having to watch a lot of stuff that they want to watch Mm. um but also just the fact that you've got less time and I think also I think that um it can sand the edges off what you watch a little bit I think that when you've got kids again particularly young kids you don't want to watch stuff that's too challenging because it's just a bit depressing you know and
2: well I think when when they first go to bed you like you need to almost decompress and just watch something yeah, that you're,
1: washes over you're you. you have been working all day, mm. um, and then you have time with your kids. So really, you know, after that, you don't want to be what you don't want to sit down and watch an episode of The Wire. No, you know.
2: Um, um, so, like once once we've kind of decompressed. Um, there are TV shows that we watch. I mean, obviously the Marvel TV new Marvel TV shows yeah. we're watching. We've watched WandaVision. A lot of genre stuff, really. Lots of genre stuff. Lots of sci-fi. Um, okay, so some of the TV shows we've watched recently, um I'm I'm a huge fan of Shits Creek, so I've watched that multiple times. Yeah. Um, we've watched uh Vision Fargo, WandaVision, Fargo the Watchmen TV series. Yeah. Um, obviously, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Um, what else have we watched? The Orville. Yeah. Um, we did a massive sci-fi rewatch and did Babylon 5. All of Star Trek Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise. I, think, I mean, basically,
1: we're, we're at a point in our lives, uh, and I think that this this will change at some point, but, always, but we'll always be there, where... It's a lot of comfort watching, mm. and I think that that's not unusual um, to be loved by anyone. <laughs> um, uh, for again, I think he's having when you've got kids as well. Is the fact that you kind of want to? Um, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of fear in your life. I mm. think if you're a parent, yeah, um, and I think that what you want is you want things that kind of show you. That the world—it's
2: all going to be that it's okay. all going to be
1: okay—and I think that shows and films that have a um, heroic arc mm. become very appealing at that point. Yeah, you know? and
2: uh, certainly from a personal point of view, in terms of film viewing, and we do like we absolutely do go through stages of watching more films over TV, just depending on what's out and mm. what we fancy and documentaries as and, well. Obviously, yeah. But like what I was about to say is personally. Um, I've been more inclined to want to watch older films at the moment, and very specific genres like um, sort of uh, late eighties, early nineties action films, mm-hmm. or um, uh, crime caper films like Who Done It, sort of like not Ocean's Eleven, but those types yeah. of something's happening, but really something else is happening. At the same time, yeah. um, that's sort of where my head's at, and and my film viewing is very m- much connected to where I am emotionally. So it's, it's,
1: it's, it's mood dictated.
2: It very much is, and there are sometimes where I just can't um, get my head around watching a film, and that's when I tend to burn through a whole lot of
1: um, TV. Well, sometimes one. Um just, and I'm not being facetious when I say one. I'm because I've, this is a general thing that you could apply to. I think we go through phases about how much we want to be challenged by what we're watching, but also attention span. Yeah, you know uh, how much attention you want to give. I mean, I'd say that the other thing as well. Two other things as well. I mentioned very briefly are um, we. Hannah and I go through these weird theme tunnels where, very much so. Um, you know, like we all... We will watch a film by a filmmaker like Guy Ritchie. We watched a Guy Ritchie film that we enjoyed. So we, then we watched
2: the Gentlemen. So we? then we
1: went on through loads of Guy Ritchie films. We um, we then watched all of the Rocky and the Creed movies, mm. and you know after Tarantino, we did yep. all the Tarantino films. Uh, and also, this obviously being human beings, um, there's stuff that Hannah likes that I don't like, and vice versa. So I have things where if Hannah goes away for a few days with the kids to visit family, um, I will then. I, I kind of build up a backlog of stuff that I know Hannah wouldn't want to watch. Yeah. And generally, that's either horror or sort of somewhat more, I guess, transgressive films, you could say, mm. uh, or a lot of much older stuff, like mm. black and white old kind mm. of films, which... Um,
2: some some black and white stuff I love, but I have to be in the right oh,
1: frame yeah, yeah. of mind for it. So, for example, there'll, there'll be a lot of... Um, I mean, Christ, I, this will give you a bit of a sense of the sort of diversity of this is um, I've been working like if Hannah's away for half an hour, I'll put on half an hour of something and then I'll pick up on it like on Plex or on whatever. I've been working through some classic Doris Day movies from the early much, 50s. Much recently. to our
2: daughter's disgust. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, and I know that that is an era and a temperament. um that doesn't have any appeal to Hannah. So I'll sort of watch those. So there's, there's all the stuff that we... A lot of the stuff that we've just discussed is basically where our our Venn diagrams cross. Yeah. You know, we both like um, that genre, action-adventure, classic 80s, 90s, um, sci-fi, uh, fantasy, action-adventure, mm. comedies, or, you know, that kind of real, um, you know, the sort of cheeseburgers, so to speak. Um, but... Um, there is stuff on the other sides of the Vandogram that obviously... you know. So, like, the
2: stuff I watch that isn't really up Mike's street so much is anything true crime related. Like, no. I'm very much... Like, I love a documentary about a true crime. Yeah. Um, whereas Mike isn't so into them. Um, and I am... And I have been for a while. I've been obsessed with everything related to rock climbing and i say this coming at, from it as a person who cannot climb one inch of a rock um but i i know a lot about rock climbing because i've gone down this massive tunnel of what you documentaries look, and books and
1: what you respond to stuff. though is those, the, the the triumph over adversity sort of element yep. of it and you know i mean it's a metaphor people are like oh you know uh, I really had to climb a mountain to achieve this thing, yeah. you know, and uh, and I think that a lot of that comes from watching. Um, was it the uh, what was the Coldwell one that you watched? Um, the Dawn Wall. The Dawn Wall, mm-hmm. and then obviously Free Solo and the Real yeah. Rock kind of shows mm-hmm. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. What about the, this this question about kids? Are uh, kids viewing? Like, do, so do we curate them or?
2: I th- well, from my point of view, I think. When they were a lot younger, um, our kids are nearly five and nearly seven. Um, so when they were maybe two, it was much easier to curate what they watched because, um, you know.
1: We could control it.
2: Yeah. they couldn't work I mean, we the still remote. Can. We still can. But, um, but um, we got both of the kids really into film very early, didn't we? Yeah. Um uh, so our daughter, thing, so. her favourites when she was sort of a year, 18 months, two, were Finding Nemo, Toy Story. Um, Moana. Yeah, that's when she was three. But, yeah, Moana, that kind of thing. So all, all the, like, standard Pixar and Disney films, Frozen, all that yeah. kind of thing. Um, our son, the first... F- thing he got really into was Toy Story 2 specifically yeah. and then we finally got him to watch the first one and he was just like a Buzz Lightyear obsessive and still is and that's why I think he likes the second one because
1: the second one's a very Buzz he's very Buzz- well, it century, starts
2: it? with Buzz flying in from space yeah. and he just thought that was the best thing ever um he then got very attached to Maui and Moana yeah, Boss Baby. Um, and Boss Baby yep he gets like he gets very attached to certain things in films. Um, what Philip
1: likes is he's a really big fan of the punch the air moment. Very any much any so. moment in a film where, usually towards the climax of the film, where there's a swell of music and a moment of transcendent victory from a character, he gets very swept up in that.
2: Like, um, f- as an example of that, in Boss Baby, when, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> um, when the baby gets the beads from the older brother and realises that they're his love and all this kind of thing and he throws them up in the air and it's all wonderful, Philip would out loud go, yay, and yeah, clap yeah. and just be so excited about and it. And it's like,
1: I think he didn't, he doesn't even, and it's one of the great things about film as an art form is he he didn't, at least certainly at the beginning, on any understand intellectually what's happening within the narrative of the film. It's just the image and the feeling of mm. it was 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 appealing, but I mean, obviously now Philip's big thing is superheroes. He's all about very superheroes much into
2: superheroes. It. Both of the kids went through that terrible phase where, like, we couldn't curate anything, and um, Mike and I, it, it was torture. The amount of times we had to watch PJ effing mask. Well,
1: that's the other thing is, as far as the whole curating thing goes, and poor Patrol. The, the only time I've tried to do that is, I mean, I'm a big Star Wars geek, and every so often I'll try and put it on for Philip, but I'm not one of those people where. It's not like people, guys who try and push their favorite sports team onto their kids. No, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not. I, 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 as long as he's not just watching YouTube all the time, I don't care. Mm. And um, for me, it's more. I just like to the only curating I do is as much as possible trying to push them away from my like, empty calories because with things like PJ Masks, it's just it's just crap. It's just dull. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's got good, nice colors, and I get there's pleasing character designs, but I just think that there's and I don't mean this in a snobby way, there's better stuff mm. that does that and stuff that is, is teaching morality lessons and yeah. has some kind of...
2: I mean, they went through their phase with Masha and the bear and... But that, that's quality. Um, yeah, that's what it's it made, fine. You know. um, and Miraculous Ladybug. Oh, yeah. my God, the amount of times yeah. that we've had to watch but, that. But I
1: suppose the other thing, the other element here as well is, is that there is a selfish element is the fact that you know that if your kids get into something, that you're going to have to watch it a million times. So it better be something that you're going to n- not object to hugely. So, for mm. example, um, I sat down with Chloe, uh, Chloe and watched um, Raya and the Last Dragon, the new Disney mm. film, because I knew, that being Disney animation, that it was going to be good. And that if that if she was going to get into a new thing, that's probably going to be something that's going to be have a good lesson mm. to, to, to it that can lead to... Conversations about things, and also I know that it's going to be um, artistically, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, satisfying to me if I do end up having to watch it 500 times. I but- think
2: I think the thing with both of our kids is that and I'm sure you'll agree with me is when they get into something they they go deep. Yeah. Um, they like. When Chloe got into *Miraculous Ladybug*, she eats slept, and yeah. breathed it. Like Chloe wants all to she know... wanted to do was have a yo-yo and jump off things all the time. And, Chloe and... kind
1: of wants to know how th- these things are made yeah. as well. Like yeah. she was asking me what a director was and stuff mm. like that. It's
2: yeah, she was asking me what a movie trailer was today. Yeah, and you know they've been. She's been through the phase of *My Little Pony*. I think the biggest thing is that we. Try and make sure that the stuff they're watching isn't harmful to them. I yeah, I mean that's the bottom line. Emotionally,
1: yeah, I mean the one thing yeah. that, that that bothers me a little bit is. Um and I know this and I still let them watch it because I'm a lazy parent and sometimes I just don't have the energy to fight them. But a lot of it is just designed for, like, Chloe will finish watching something and she'll be like, oh, Dad, um, these toys are only available at Kmart. And I'm just like, no, and, and when she says things like that, I'm like, shit, that's not, that's not great parenting on my part, the fact that she knows, like, which chain's. To chain stores to get them, and, you know. She
2: is fully obsessed with shopping that Yeah, so um, you know,
1: you know. So I think that's the thing is the fact. I, mean, I think the bottom line, as far as curating goes, the first thing is for them, so as you say, not watching anything that's harmful, and to try and minimise the amount of stuff that they're watching, which is just teaching them how to consume. Yeah, and also just try and make sure that that if there's something that they're watching that's crap, um, if there is a better made, more. A version that has more kind of calories to it yeah. that we can point them towards. But if they decide that they want to continue watching this crap thing, hey, everything's subjective.
2: I sort of feel like we're doing okay so far because when they're tired and grumpy and want to watch some comfort viewing, yeah. our daughter's comfort viewing is either Barbie or a film. And our son's comfort viewing is... Bluey or Toy Story? Yeah,
1: so we could do lot worse. Okay, well, absolutely. Um, what we're going to do now, guys, is we will take a short break, uh, and then we will come back, and we will do the non-spoiler discussion of uh, a hen in the wolf house. That's episode five of season two of Marvel's Agents of Shield. Uh, and then after that, we will give you plenty of warning before coming back and doing the spoiler section um before we break would you like to tell us hannah um who created this episode i was uh, just
2: about to say we have seriously neglected no no no,
1: we haven't okay
2: fine um so this was aired on the 21st of october 2014 written by brent fletcher
1: awesome okay so uh brent fletcher's written a bunch of episodes already i believe Yep. Um, and um, I Holly don't recognize Dale. the director actually. I think they've maybe a uh, director
2: less. of Dexter, um, The Americans, Batwoman TV show.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a d- um, WB uh, thing.
2: Just trying to see if there's anything else. That, oh, some X Files. Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. That's all well, sort of um, stuff. We will press pause now and watch the episode, and then we will be right back. <laughs>
0: ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie it's like if they didn't know what death was before this they're going to know it after it they're going to know it after it and they're going to be freaking terrified and they're going to be questioning you yeah or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold dead heart
2: yeah the dark knight has got like all the orphans and like oh no we're going to die they did not build up those orphans at all in my head it's like kill them
0: then look no further, the His Film her Movie Podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, so welcome back everybody, and that was episode 5 of season 2 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, that was a hen in the wolf house. So yes, so we've just finished watching that, and we will do a little bit of, initially at least, we've had a fair old bit, I dare say, of non-spoiler stuff, and then uh, we'll do a little spoiler section at the end, if there's anything that we have for that. But, uh, but yes, Hannah, initial impressions of this episode...
2: This was a really fun watch. I um, I'd forgotten how much humour was in this episode, and although it's it's dense in terms of uh, where the story goes and the elements that it um tells you about and moves forward, it's done with a surprisingly light touch, and I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What about you?
1: Uh, same, I mean, this is one of those ones as well where, and I guess this kind of cuts to the very, uh, sort of core of the concepts of this podcast is this was one of those ones that was very interesting. I mean, I remember enjoying it the first time, um, but it feels very much like an interesting one to rewatch. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that we'll get into that, but, uh, but yes, I mean, there's elements of this that, uh, I mean, people who have been spoiled and have been listening to the spoiler sections will... I won't get into it too much now because we will work our way through the episode, but um, there are, were a couple of things in the spoiler sections that we were talking about, how, oh, when is this going to happen? When's yeah. that going to happen? And there's a little bit of that uh, going on here where it's like, oh, okay, guess this is where, um, you know, these, these these things are introduced. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, should we just get straight into it? Because like, yeah, like you say, it's it. quite a dense episode, this yeah. one. So I think that m- more than ever... Um, this is one that benefits from sort of just going through the episode, and, I guess. And
2: I think it's sort of good to note that that this is just the direction Agents of Shield goes in. It's dense. There's a lot to take in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well I mean it's funny, I mean I And that's,
2: not- that's no spoiler. That's just you know, their stories As time goes on, they become more complex, more
1: intricate. You're absolutely right, and I agree. But it's it's almost not just that because I I noticed this episode that they get through the exposition really fast. Mm. Like they do the classic sort of Aaron Sorkin kind of walk and talk. Yeah, but they burn through it. It's like you know, you you know how like after the opening credits, you've got always got that sort of two or three minutes. Um, on a TV episode where you've got the sort of the remaining titles yeah. sort of going over the initial scenes, they always just throw a lot of stuff at you at that point. Mm. And that's the point in the episode where audiences are catching their breath after the beginning bit. And it's really easy to miss stuff yeah. at that point, you know. Yeah. And that's not a criticism as much as just. No,
2: they just hit the ground running. Yeah, it shows yeah. a lot of
1: faith in the audience, I guess, is what I'm saying.
2: But I mean, that, that's like, I sort of feel like they treat their audiences with some intelligence and um, they don't really spoon-feed you anything. Like, and we've said before about how, you know, we've watched a season and then come back for the following season and been like, oh, God, what happened? You know, because they expect you to keep up yeah. and they don't give you a previously.
1: On well, and, blah, and, they, blah, blah. and they also, they don't have characters saying dumb things like, as you well know, yeah, dot 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 dot. You know they kind of. As I mean, my I, brother from my sister's mother said, D- don't get me wrong. There's times I wish they would. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. Particularly when we, you know, we were watching the episodes in real time. Yeah. Um, but okay, well, well, the episode opens up with um, a, a, a wedding with. Uh, a large, um, what, what seems like navy contingent mm. there, um, and they, I thought it was a very fringe opening, a fringe style opening. You know, you mean an X Files opening. <laughs> <Fringe>. <laughs> um, so, so we see the the wedding guests take a drink, and they all get that weird ashy faced thing going on that we've seen several times before. Um, we see the uh, 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 our beloved Brit heel gets an update on on it for um, for Whitehall. Um, and we learned that they've wiped out essentially um, an anti Hydra unit. Yep. Uh, and so that's what's going on there. And this is a scene. I've actually got a note here where I've written fast exposition, where you know you've got the you've got the walk and talk, and they're just burning through exposition. And it's funny because I think part of it is just the fact that exposition is a necessary evil, and I suppose why not get through it as quickly as possible yeah. because it, it can make a narrative just sort of die on its ass.
2: And although it's important to know that they are um, trying to manufacture this technology and that's, you know, one of their nefarious plans, um, the whole opening scene of, of the people dying at the wedding and it being because they've drunk the thing, it's kind of irrelevant to the rest of the episode. It's not... They're not trying to find out what the what it was that killed them, like, you know, it's not the team mobilising to stop Yeah, that's not the narrative drive. Of no. The- um It's really just a jumping off point for yeah. the episode um and a way to sort of frame where they go in terms of getting into the Hydra Lab.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, those which, pre-credit sequences often are just them sort of the show setting up its stall. For
2: but the- I, I think that's a big difference from the first season where it, you know, your opening credits kind of signify what the team is about to try and achieve. Well,
1: it's it's that, That's what this week's like case is.
2: Yeah, but if this had been the first season, yeah. they would have been stopping that particular thing from happening within
1: the hour episode. Yeah, they'd have been dusting for prints at the wedding, yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah. And, um,
2: and, that, and that's the same in Fringe. Like, the first season of Fringe is very much a... This is our objective. We will fulfil that objective by the end. Plus, there'll be a teaser of something that might happen yeah, in the next episode. Yeah, we might get a couple of little scraps.
1: You yeah. yeah. you might catch sight of an observer, or mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we see that Sky. Sky catches a glimpse of the hieroglyphs on Colson's desk uh, when she goes in for for a meeting because he's still very much kind of um, the still the weird distance that's going on well not weird to us of the audience because we know that there's a little bit of secret business going on yeah um she's
2: just aware that he's not behaving exactly like she expects him to yes behave. sort
1: of you know paternal team yeah. player uh colson chews sky out about her questioning him and may warns him that it basically it won't end well yeah um and i think what she kind of the implication of what she means by that is that he's pushing sky away and that's not a good thing
2: well she knows that by pushing Sky away all it does is make Sky more interested in finding out what the thing is like well, it's, it's, rather it, than Sky going I best leave that he obviously doesn't want well, me it's, to it's, know it, it,
1: yeah it, it's, it's, like it's a an,
2: classic male versus female
1: thing I think well no also it, it's it's a don't press the red button it's like um, yeah i always think of that great bit in the simpsons where uh ralph finds his dad chief wiggum's gun mm. in his, and he's like how did it happen and chief wiggum's like i don't know he's like i don't understand what his endless fascination is with my forbidden cupboard of mystery mm. it's like <laughs> yeah. it's just an enticement almost yeah so we see carl uh, McClachlan's character and rainer um she's begging him for the obelisk because you know as uh as you may recall from previously on Agents of Shield, uh, that basically she's Doctor
2: Whitepools put the shit supper.
1: Yes, absolutely, um, and um, you see that he loses control, and there's some there's, there's this kind of weird theme of like uh, almost hulkish anger management um, going yeah. on with his character, uh, and he loses control and says that he's going to put his family back together again, and it's all very creepy, kind of Jekyll and Hyde kind of. I um, kind
2: of like the fact that they don't really show him hulking out quote marks because like as much as i love kyle mclaughlin i don't really think he's the super action hero um so to see him go uber um he's a character
1: actor i mean he's uber
2: action would just be wrong yeah yeah yeah, so to to leave a bit of mystery it's a bit like how they didn't show jaws for a long time in jaws yeah yeah Mm.
1: absolutely um there's a very important moment when um Rainer mentions Sky, and he says that's not her name. Yep. Um, and then we, we 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 go back to um, Simmons being undercover at Hydra. We go back to the workplace drama. Yep. Of Simmons in uh, the Hydra office, and um, she's invited into a meeting with Daniel Whitehall, who you know he's kind of this mythical figure. You know, his name's mm-hmm. kind of whispered. Uh, it reminds me a lot of um, a lot of the stuff that happens with Hydra. Of um, Wolfram and Hart in Angel. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, if you didn't get called up to the senior partners mm-hmm. and all that. It feels like they're playing in that kind of sandbox a little bit yeah, here, where yeah. it's like a workplace drama, but, you know, if you, you'll get killed, you won't yeah. get fired. You know, it's yeah. like suits, but with demons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they talk about the alien artifacts, and basically what, what's becoming really clear here is that Whitehall's sort of end game here. Is he wants to figure out how to successfully weaponize um, the obelisk? Mm. And all of these experiments that you're seeing have got like the self serving agenda of taking out, you know, people who are like anti Hydra agents, but ultimately they're just useful two birds with one stone guinea pigs for this weaponization. And it's classic stuff. I've said to you before about how there's a big um, Indiana Jones. Influence running through Agents of Shield, and this is very much the Nazis are looking for the Ark of the Covenant so they can yeah. have ultimate power kind of uh, kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, uh, we get a little, another sort of couple of scenes with Fitz and you know head, his head Simmons, uh, and there's a great bit of sort of almost Homer eroticism where uh, Simmons is leching <laughs> over Mac, but as she points out, she's like, "Dude, this is you,"
2: <laughs> you know. Well, no, he points it out. He says because I. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, well, you're in my subconscious, of yeah. course I'm going to agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, So we get... It's funny, actually, because um, we may as well mention this here, even though it hasn't got to this point in the episode yet. One of the things I was alluding to was um, Hannah and I were trying to remember when Hunter's ex came back mm. into it. Um, because we, we'd both got a sort of faulty memory. That they debuted at the same point at the beginning mm. of season two, when in fact they, they didn't. And, and I'd
2: forgotten that she'd come in as a quote marks bad guy yeah, to start and, with. And, like, and I
1: didn't realise that this was the episode which, where she was introduced. I obviously just didn't catch her name in the credits. Mm. And um,
2: I knew she was coming in, but only because I specifically sorted out. But uh, like. When she came onto the screen, I was surprised because I forgot that she was undercover. Yeah, well, when, we, when
1: we would have watched this episode for the first time, we wouldn't have known. Well, it was seven like,
2: years ago that we watched it. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, but we wouldn't have known when we first watched no, it. You no, know. no, no. Um and and it's funny, but the reason I'm, I'm mentioning it now is that in my notes, which obviously I wrote chronologically as we were watching the episode, I wrote, oh, and now we get this week's reference to Hunter's X because yeah. one of the things that Hannah and I have been saying in the spoiler section, which we can now reveal to yeah. you, know, you civilians, is um, that um, we knew that Hunter's X was going to come into the show mm. and we, we were kind of joking about how sort of persistent and on-the-nose... Because co- initially, I think when you first watch the show, you think it's just a classic, you know, like...
2: Just sort of bents.
1: Yeah, like Bruce, yeah. Bruce Willis in a early 90s action movie, the down on his look, kind of gumshoe talking about mm-hmm. how his wife left him. But yeah. it, it's so persistent that it's kind of obvious. Like,
2: you know, okay, when's she going to show yeah, up? Yeah,
1: yeah, It's like, okay, yeah. this is clearly foreshadowing now and not yeah, just a yeah. character thing. Um so we see that uh, Hunter has a moment with Sky where he suggests that Ward might be a way to find out about.
2: Costs oh my and god! Uh, like proper LOL moment for me when Hunter goes, "I was a fat baby when he was looking
1: at that picture." <laughs> okay. It was just so like random. what a
2: comment. <laughs> Loved it.
1: And it's funny because it sort of occurred to me at the moment where she, you know, we get the uh, the obligatory. Um, Hannibal Ward, uh, you know, uh, sort of Hannibal Lecter moment where she goes down to the sort of the basement to speak to him that it kind of reminded me of late season one where every so often... You have an episode that reminds you of just how many plates are spinning story wise. Yeah, you know because you've got the Rainer stuff, you've got the Whitehall, you've got the Brit Hill, you've got Hydra, you've got Colson and the hieroglyphics. Mm. Um, you know, and you've, but they you've, have
2: this really uncanny way of bringing it all together coherently. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Mm. And it's as though the the, the one of the skills that I think the writers team have got is exactly that that you've just pointed out, but also just the fact that you know they've obviously sat down at the beginning of season two and started planning out the story arc. And they were kind of like, well, what have we got left over from season one? And they've introduced lots of new elements as well, like Mac and Hunter and Bobby and all this other stuff. Um, And, you know, the new situation that that this reduced shield have got. Um, But then they've obviously gone, okay, well, we've still got, um, you know, like General Talbot. We've still got Ward kind of here. We've got all of these things. So they've obviously just looked at them and gone, okay, well... How can we use these? We've got Rainer. How can we use these characters to service the storyline? And you know they've got obviously you know Sky and her, her family and that mystery and all that kind of stuff, uh, and the after effects of um the serum that was used on on um, on Coulson and all that kind of stuff. So mm. I, I just think that it, this is one of those episodes where you know it's not as much just fun as the Rompier episodes, but. It's an episode where it's moving a lot of pieces around the board. Yeah. Um, and it always just impresses me, you know, and there's moments where uh-huh. you'll have all these different storylines going on and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, Ward as well. And mm-hmm. then you, re- you remember that he's connected to Rainer and he knows yeah. this and knows that. And it's just... Um, I think that's why this episode was felt so
2: impressive for me because, you know... It, <laughs> It would have been very easy for it to be a very heavy, dour episode, considering the serious nature of the storylines that's happening. And yet there is such a lightness and hopeful tone to it in lots of different ways. Even just the introduction of Bobby and the brightness she brings in taking the piss out of hunter. Well, he never you forgets know, that it's that, it, it's not to be overlooked because no. it just it means that you want to keep watching it because you're not feeling like pulled down into a depressive it, hole. He never
1: forgets that it's based on comic books that were written for children. Yeah. And it was funny. I was having a sort of d- discussion, I won't say argument because it was really civil, on The Chinese versus Punter Page about Marvel and DC films with somebody. And it got to a point, Oh, I
2: saw that. Yeah, and yeah, it got
1: to a point where I was just, I was just like, look, we're not going to agree with each other. Mm. Um, and also, you know, I was like, we're arguing about films about Benning Tights, And in fairness, the person who I was responding to was like, yeah, fuck we are, aren't we? You I, know?
2: I, I saw that. And and I must admit, I thought, this is why I like the Stroker versus punter page. Because you get people disagreeing with each other all the time. But there comes a
1: point where we're like, you know what? These are only fucking films.
2: But I think the people on that page are really... Looking for that opposite opinion to have a proper discussion, yeah, yeah
1: without it getting personal, yeah, because it is, it, it is just, I mean, that's why I mean, without getting into it too much, I, I actually enjoy I enjoy the DC films to a certain extent. But there are moments where you know, I was watching the new Justice League and it's like it's for, over four hours long, and there was a moment where you know, it was all very earnest and it was all very kind of like you know, Superman was in the sky, kind of looking off, ruminating about what it's like to be a god, and it got to the point where I was like. Guys, this is this is a fucking comic book. Mm. Just, you know, pull the stick out your ass. But, um, so. Um, but don't worry, War- the sticks are available. <laughs> yes. Uh, wa- uh, Ward tells Sky that Raina knows her dad. Mm-hmm. And obviously she is. He went,
2: she knows your dad.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, she knows your dad. But um, it, it's. Uh, <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> yeah. She knows her dad. <laughs> um, but. Obviously, this guy, her concern, well, her, her suspicion is that Ward's just trying to find a way in, a way yeah. back in, you know. Yeah. Um, and Ward s- said that he saw the carvings from Garrett and he basically tells her that, look, you know, it, it, shit gets real.
2: If someone's um, carving that stuff, yeah. they're going a bit bananas. And
1: also from an audience perspective, what we're seeing is again and again, what Ward is telling her is true. Yeah. You know, um, so you start to believe it as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, regardless of his motivations for it, um, you know, it, that seems to be the case. Yeah. Um, and he said that, that, um, and this is kind of where I think this is the um, eureka moment for Sky is when Ward says that Garrett started acting that way when he was injected with the serum. Yep. and she's like well okay I'll, I know what the connection is now yep. or the catalyst for this, this so she
2: works it. out who's been making the carvings that yep. it's Coulson
1: yeah. <laughs> and we see that Rainer sees Simmons and there's a sort of a, okay I've got a little bit of leverage going on here because yep. she's really she gets just, her evil smirk she does and she's she's stuck between a rock and a hard place so she I is, I think she's yeah. like okay this could be an out I've got, a, I've got a bit of a as George Costanza says I have hand
0: <laughs> you know now
1: all of a sudden um, Sky Conference Call um and he basically sort of comes clean about the gh formula uh, and about how basically they wanted to passively observe her because theoretically she should also be having the same thing happening and and, that potentially she's an alien yeah or or, i mean it has alien dna but she jumps to the conclusion you know Mm. what are you saying here um and apologies uh, that's our dishwasher if you can hear that uh, yeah, people are thinking, God, my stomach's really bad this week. <laughs> so Raina calls, phones up. Um, we see that there's a mole hunt going on in Hydra, and we're introduced to the Adrian Pullici character, who at this point we we just we get the impression that she's a Hydra sort of inquisitor.
2: I love how she is so like looking back on it, she's so over the top with the the evil, like um, you know, head slightly bent down but looking up. Um
1: well she's taller than everyone else which is, makes it must be difficult for for, for Yeah but like yeah. As well, her but
2: head is angled towards the floor but her eyes are angled up to give that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. almost like a sexy evil person yeah, yeah 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 um and yeah it was just like it, it was so comic book yeah, and yeah. I love that but I also it's consistent great. with
1: the fact that she's putting on she's putting it on she's putting a persona it's a, on it's a signal to the audience so uh yeah, so we we see this inquisitor come in and the mole hunt begin. we see simmons um sort of snivelly colleague gets pegged yep. um but we don't feel bad for him because well no we've, because we've he's been him.
2: really excited about killing millions or billions yes. of people
1: yeah. um so we see Coulson meet Rainer in the restaurant. Um, she threatens to expose Simmons as well, and uh, and
2: you think that he's on the back foot. Yes. to start with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, which
2: Sky thinks he is as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think this is in the oh, no, like. Well, I think at this point, like this is hammering home that you, as an audience, you are Sky because you're seeing it through her eyes. Yeah. In terms of what you know, and. I love how it sort of revealed to her that actually she needs to have better faith in Coulson, that well, he's already thinking ahead of that. that is,
1: you're right, but I think it goes both ways. In a way, what it also shows is that if Coulson had let her in, then May wouldn't be having to deal with the difficult situation of Sky wanting to go, yeah. and Sky does disappear and go off. Now, fortunately, because um, Kyle character is already gone, there's no... Bad side effects from that, but it's another example of Coulson not appearing to not trust Sky, and how that can push her away into the arms of danger. And you yeah, know, well, kind there of like-
2: is there is a bad side effect from it and yeah. that you know up until that point, Sky's father has not wanted anything to do with Daniel Whitehall, but when he sees Sky hugging Coulson, yeah, he gets jealous,
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: so it, it does have a bad yeah
1: yeah yeah impact. I suppose it does yes it does in the long run and um so we see Simmons getting sort of pressured by the uh, seemingly evil uh, Adrian Pilicky, so we learn that Raina wants to take Sky with her. This is um is back to in the restaurant yeah. and she puts a two minute countdown on, on the phone, which is where um, we see Sky start to freak out when. Raina mentions that she wants to take it and meet her dad. If
2: this was a Naked Gun version of it, I feel like it would have got to zero and then just started again at two. (laughs) Or like she would have reset it and gone, I'll just give you two more minutes.
1: I'll never forget. Um, She really looked like she wanted to. What this reminded me of was... There's there's several moments. I wish I'd mentioned this. I did a podcast episode a while ago at Hannah's Suggestion, which was kind of formative experiences from films, like bits of moments, moments from films that have shaped you or that you really remember. And I'll never forget watching a James Bond film. It was a a Sean Connery one when uh, I was was a kid watching it with my parents on TV. And there's the classic bomb ticking sort of down from 60 to zero. Yeah. And he's trying to decide where he's going to cut the red wire. And when he cuts it, it stops, and the countdown stops on 007. And mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, that is so fucking cool. I was like, <laughs> seven or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, easily impressed. Um, so Raina um, intimates that Skye was taken from her dad against his will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Coulson basically just doesn't budge and says, no deal. Um, May won't let Sky leave as well. There's a bit of a kerfuffle going on kind of behind the velvet rope there. Um, Colson lets the file transfer happen, and of course, we as the audience? So like, Phil, what are you doing, man? You know,
0: Phil, man, what are you
1: doing? <laughs> the fuck? And, um, I love we, it when you get worried. Yeah, yeah. No, that was my uh, I, uh, the voice I was doing there was. There's a line from um, Biker Grove that I always remember. Is that your Jordy well. exit. Yeah, it was like I always remember the line where um, I. PJ or Duncan Geordie. I can't remember which fucking one just, it's just because Jeff man you've got pie in your beard <laughs> <laughs> I always I always remember that Jeff man you've got pie in your beard <laughs> I heard that once in like 1996 and it's, and my brain has been carrying that around every day <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so whenever I'm panicking or in a, a situation I'm like hell Phil man you go <laughs> oh, that's hilarious um, I also like the fact that Adrian <laughs> Pullici's character is doing. It's almost like they're taking the piss out of Black Widow.
2: Yeah,
1: like the way that they're framing it, and she's doing the sort of, um, she's you know, like pulling smiling, the things from behind her back. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a fucking kick yeah. your uh, ass. Yeah, I'm in a white corridor wearing black. <laughs> I know this looks cool, yeah. kind of thing. And um, and we see that. Uh, so basically, it becomes apparent very quickly that Coulson has a plan. After all,
2: <laughs> look what I've written. Coulson has a plan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: Phil, man. Um, so we, he figures that, um, Sky's father has the obelisk and, uh, that Raina is scared. Mm. Um, and she's That's basically saying, "Look, please take me in. It's a kind of like, I, um, you know, I need, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Protection. No, there's a particular word. It always happened in Star Trek when somebody would be able to ship in a, it's not sanctuary. I, uh, oh, I don't know. Like
2: refugee?
1: No. Uh, no, forget it. I've, I've, I'll remember it at four o'clock this morning when I'm going for like my third piss of the night. Um, so they tag her. Don't wake um, me up. Um, the, um, we, see, we see Bobby Morse, who we learn is Bobby Morse, mm-hmm. um, striking the hero poses. Yeah. Uh, and they jump onto a cloak ship. Um, I like the fact that th- this completely proves my whole... Um, Simmons is Willow thing. You know how I yeah. said the whole, cause she's like, I yeah, like absolutely. you. And it's like, she's telling the audience, it's okay to it's like this okay character. It's okay to like
2: you. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's, like I say, it's the old Willow trick. Um, we see they see the sky's gone, and they're like, "Whoops!" I mean, I'm surprised they actually took their eyes off her, but I suppose they've they've been very busy. Mm. Um, they go and they find the aftermath of Carl uh, McLaughlin's sort of deranged antics.
2: Do you think if we ever lost our children, we could just say that to the police? We've been very busy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like <laughs> what a hell of a week.
2: Sorry, we've been very busy, very busy.
1: <laughs> um, and then we get that moment that you rich referenced earlier on, where Coulson hugs Sky, and we mm. see that they're being watched by Karl McLaughlin. Um,
2: and that picture that she finds on the floor, I I'll put a note that it looks like either a, um,
0: a like a headshot head
2: or, or a behind-the-scenes cast picture from Twin Peaks. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, it just has that look about it.
1: I like the fact that when he turns up, Hunter's slightly pissed because yeah. he's been drinking wine at the uh, at the restaurant. That's a nice little yeah. And she's like, "What is your cover, Ron Burgundy?" And um, we see that the bodies have been left behind, so the implication or, or the um, the conclusion that um, they, particularly Sky, jumps to is that he's this monstrous, murderous kind of figure. Yeah. Um, Bobby joins the team. Fitz and Simmons are reunited. And,
2: and Simmons, uh, sorry, I just wanted to give mention to the bit where Simmons whispers. She's amazing.
1: Oh, yeah, she's kind of fangirling um, a little bit. She's
2: got it? a complete girl crush, yeah. and, and I just, I love it. It kind of, like you say, it cements the fact that Bobby's a good character. Yeah.
1: And it's those little touches that make um,
2: Well, then she the goes on to to sort of, you find out that actually she knows Mac really well, and you realise that all the, the, you know, bad talk that Hunter's been doing about his ex and all this kind of stuff, that they've basically just been humouring him and they know who he's been talking about yes. and they don't feel the same way about it. Yeah. And they sort of see Hunter for who he is and love him anyway. Yeah. Kind of
1: and they probably know that he doesn't actually really mean it. He
2: doesn't it, really mean just it. Just yeah. Bravado.
1: yeah. And um, so, so um, Fitz and Simmons are reunited. He says, is that really you? And she's like, well, you know, what do you mean by that? Uh, of course it is. Um, Coulson agrees to share, be more sharing of information with Sky in future. Uh, and Sky comes to the conclusion that the scratchings are a map. Uh, and then we finish out with um, Karma Cluckman coming to Whitehall, uh, taking him what he calls the Diviner. Yep. Um, that we've been calling the Obelisk up until this point. And he says, I'll teach you how to survive, and we'll work together to kill him. And and he, that's such a. a um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. S. Delivery, the way it's like, yes, we'll kill him and, oh, I don't know, everyone else. Mm. You know, that's that it's like the Whedon kind of, Buffy's Greystone said she saved the world a lot. You know, it's that kind of uh, vibe. Okay, well, we'll do a quick sum up and then we'll maybe do a quick spoiler section. I'm not expecting to have that much in the way of spoilers. I haven't got any spoilers. Um, We'll skip the spoiler section then because I don't really have that much. The only thing I've got really is to go into a little bit more detail about... I've maybe got one thing, but it's not something we have to talk about. No, no. Okay, we'll bypass the spoiler section this week and maybe save it up. And uh... I
2: think basically because this episode was more about... I, like, for me, it sort of made me think this was the episode where they're just reminding you that they still have a sense of humour in all of this seriousness. Yep. They've still got... It's still agents of shield. Well, like, I think also what they're worry. doing though
1: is it's not even necessarily just moving the storyline along. But what this episode does is it it clarifies different characters' um, relationships with elements of the story in the way that it's like right, okay, this character's relationship with the story is this. Mm. This character's relationship to the plot is this. Yeah. And it's kind of it's a chess kind of yeah. episode, but yeah, uh, for sure, but uh, but. It's, so Hannah final thoughts really,
2: speaker. really enjoyed this um yeah, like I said I was I was surprised at the lightness of touch and just just relieved to remember how good it was this early on yeah. you know and and pleased that I haven't misremembered it, I suppose loving loving this rewatch and this episode was
1: you know another one that just felt really great but do you feel like they have congealed into a team yet Hannah
2: (laughs) yes they're a team
1: I'm gonna stop talking about it. it's funny though because what a lot of tv shows do particularly these these network shows with longer seasons and you see this in Buffy and a lot of shows Fringe did this Mm. as well is you often start the season with the team separated yeah um And the uh, status quo upset. The status is not quo at the beginning of the season. (laughs) So not quo. um, This is the episode where everybody's reconnected. I. um, It's it's like the the status is quo (laughs) again. After I
2: I think the only reason I mention that is because you know I'm a podcast listener. You know I'm first and foremost rather than a podcaster, Mm -hmm. Um, and I tend to listen to stuff on repeat a lot. I'm currently re-listening to a whole bunch of Answer Me This Mm -hmm. episodes. And something like one of the people in the show repeating the same thing over and over would absolutely do my
1: head in. Oh, all podcasters do it, though.
2: But, yeah, so I'm just um, apologising, and I didn't mean to, and I'm very sorry, and please, please, please don't Well, the other thing is as
1: well is you can't – you don't know how – closely people listen to podcasts because yeah. we all consume podcasts differently for a lot of people it's just um white noise while they're cleaning that they drift in and out of yeah you know so i think a lot of the time i'll re- on cheese stroke of O-Spenter, i'll repeat stuff knowing i'm repeating it but i don't know whether somebody has heard that before yeah you know? i mean as yeah. you obviously there's a limit but i wouldn't i wouldn't beat yourself up too much um While I'm going through the various bits of housekeeping, could you just bring up the details of next week's episode? Of course. Um, So, so yeah, it's just another reminder to go over to wearepodsyndicate.com um also uh emails are always welcome thanks again to millie for emailing today thank you millie so more of those please that'd be great guys we want to know who you are you can hear us so we'd like to be able to um, hear or read you Uh, and you can do that via RewatchProjectPodcast at gmail.com or by hitting the plus message sign over at our anchor.fm page and we are also on Twitter at Rewatch Project. So, uh, yeah, what, what's the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? So,
2: episode six is called A Fractured House. Synopsis says the world turns against S.H.I.E.L.D. when HYDRA impersonates them to attack the United Nations and an unexpected enemy leads the charge to bring about their downfall. The episode is directed by Ron Underwood and... It is written by Rafe Judkins and Lauren LeFranc.
1: Cool. Okay. Well, we will see you then, guys. Bye-bye.
2: Bye bye. Bye.
0: Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles and conversations, head to wearepodsendicate.com